and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere through worship music and the Word where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and then help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, Valetta, and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. Let's jump into the word of the day. Um, I'm so excited about this one. It's a, it's a tough one, and, it's, um, and I've been wrestling with how to do this justice, and I'm going to tell you from the start that there is a chance we are going to maybe do a second part next week because it's a big subject, and it's very important, and it's very close to my heart, and I may not get through everything that I'd like to get through today. So... Let's see how it goes. If I do get through all of it, great. Praise God. Um, But I want you to really focus on this whole idea that by God's Spirit, we are called into one body. And what does that look like? And what does it mean? And how does it apply to each and every one of us? All right. So let's pray for the Word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that we can come together in this way and that you can speak to us. Lord, we choose to make our hearts fertile soil, open to receive from you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want to quiet every voice of the enemy in everyone's lives listening right now. We shut those voices and those lies right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, in your word you say in Isaiah 54 that any tongue that rises in judgment against us, we can condemn. It is our inheritance as the saints of God. So right now we condemn every, every word of judgment that is coming against anyone in this church right now. And we say, go away. And in line with 2 Corinthians 10, which says we can pull down every stronghold argument and lofty idea that raises itself against Christ, we do that now as well. And we ask you for a clear voice, word from heaven into our lives. I thank you right now, Lord, that you will speak to us in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to do this justice, to do this in a way that's honoring to you and those who are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The short name for today's message is one by one spirit, one body. And what this means is we can be diverse, but divided, we stand united. Diverse, but undivided, we stand united. And our main scripture is from 2 Corinthians 12, 13. I will get to that now. I want to give you a kind of a summary of where I would like us to get to. And then we're going to dive into the scriptures. If you've been following us from the beginning, you'll know that our values are to always encounter God. Because if we encounter God, our lives have to change. When we encounter Him, our lives change and we hear what His heart is. And then we can align with His heart, with His will. That is the second value, aligning with Him. And the third value is to reign in life. Because when we listen to Him, encounter Him, and align our lives with Him, that is where we can get according to Paul in Romans. So we've been doing a series on encountering God. And 
for the last few weeks, we have dived into aligning with God and what that looks like. And we've spoken about what it means to align with God's definition and idea of love. And we've spoken about God's idea of the fear of the Lord and what it means. And then we spoke about faith, how we need faith at the core to live this kind of life, where we love that way, where we fear God that way. And today, I feel God wants us to speak about aligning with His idea of unity, of unity and being one. And it starts with the main building block, which is to be one with God. We all need to be one with God. How does that happen? Through salvation, we step into a covenant relationship with Him. And from the beautiful verses in John 15, we can see that Jesus passionately leads his disciples to understand that you need to abide in me as I abide in you, as I abide in the Father. It's this beautiful picture of unity and intimacy. And when we are one with God, and this is also what I preached on at the wedding over the weekend, when we are one with God, then we can step into a healthy picture of marriage and what God's plan for marriage was from the start, which is not two half people forming a whole. It is two whole people in God forming a new whole, a new flesh. And we can see that from Genesis 1 and Ephesians 5. And if we are one in our marriages, we can be one in our families. Through parenting, there's also a covenant. Marriage is a covenant, and parenting is a covenant of a sorts as well. And we see this from 2 Corinthians 12 and John 17. And if we are one as a family then we can be one with our local church through friendship and discipleship and some deeper covenant relationships with people that are not blood-related, but we have such a strong spiritual connection with them and know that God has a plan for this relationship, sort of a David and Jonathan type relationship. And if we are one in our local church, then we will start looking at the broader church family of God in a new way. And then we can start looking at it. We are all different parts of the same body, but we have one big thing in common, and that is the Holy Spirit inside of all of us. One in spirit means that we're all part of heaven's new culture, and that heaven is our heritage. So our natural culture and heritage must bow to our newfound culture and identity in Christ. You see, unity in God through the Holy Spirit is beyond race, it's beyond culture. It's beyond class. And it's beyond any kind of denomination that you might be in. This is the unity within the church, the body of Christ. I'm not talking about unbelievers. God loves everybody. But when we say we are Christians and we are inside this family, it applies mostly to this right now. When we are one as the body of Christ. There's a distinction between those who believe and are part of the body and those who are unbelievers and not part of the body yet. And I'll show you <laughs> today how we can get the unbelievers into our family. One of the biggest ways to do that is through the unity of the body of Christ, is to get the unbelievers to be part of this family. And one of the big things that we need to keep in mind, and this I learned from the church that we come from and from a few other leaders we need to major in the majors. In other words, we need to 
focus on those things that are most important from the Word of God that we can all agree on. And we need to minor in the minors. In other words, the, the, the things that are not deal breakers, the things that are not that important, we can talk about it, we can have heated discussions, discussions about it, but it doesn't change our relationship status. So we need to get to that point where we can major in the majors and know that Jesus is the Son of God. He has died on a cross, rose from the grave, and through His death and resurrection, we can have life and life in abundance and life eternal. That is an example of a major. We need to agree on that. And if we can agree on those things, we can move forward and do so much more for God's family. So our main scripture is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. I'm going to read two different translations just so you can get a, an idea. It's, the first one is from the New King James. It says, For by one Spirit, listen to this, we, the children of God, were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, and you can add in there black or white, or brown or yellow, whatever your skin color is, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, the first time I read that, that drink into one spirit, I wasn't sure what that phrase meant, because it's put in an interesting way. But that's also one of the reasons I want another translation here. But you'll see how beautiful that actually means. How, how beautiful it is and what it means. So let's read the New Living Translation. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have, but we all have, but we have all, sorry, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. So one way to understand that drinking into one spirit is that we all share the same spirit. I'm going to get back to this, these scriptures and I'm going to give you a few more. And we're going to talk about what causes division. But first, I, I want to share an experience from my own life that, that made all of these things come to life in my spirit, man. And I don't want to go into too many details because it's a sensitive subject to many people. And it was a difficult time for me and my family. But I do feel that it's important to share some of this with you today. At the end of 2017 in October, um, I saw that there was a movement taking place and there was a call for people to have a protest against farm murders and a Black Monday was called. In essence, nothing wrong with that. Standing up for those who are being hurt and wanting to make a difference in that and also mourning the loss of so many lives that have been lost with these senseless acts of violence. But underneath this good intention, something started bubbling up that became very clear to me in my spirit and I felt God just, you know, I had that sense of I cannot just stay quiet. The sense I got was that I was watching a car crash about to happen in slow motion and, and someone needs to do something. And the car crash that I was seeing happening was uh, a further polarization of our nation, mainly on race and on cultural backgrounds. Put in another way, 
I could see that what was going to happen was that the tension between black and white, between different cultures, was going to get worse, not better, with what was going to happen. And in the video, I made a call that instead of standing up against this one thing, let us all unite as South Africans and stand against violence. Because we have different forms of violence in different areas of our country, and none of it is okay. And I thought that I was speaking to Christians. And a lot of the people that listened to me also thought that they are Christians. But a massive social media backlash came out of that. The kind of hate speech and hurtful things, horrible swear words and curses that, that was put on me and my family was unfathomable. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And a lot of the people that said those things, their profile picture was that of a cross of Jesus Christ. And I just couldn't put these things together and I didn't understand why. And I, and I kept going back to God. God, why did you make me do that? Because this, be, this can't be the reason. And I just, God, I felt God show me that you thought you were speaking to Christians and, and they also think that they are Christians. But they have lost their love for me. And they love their culture more than they love me. And the picture that, that God showed me was that in, not just in the one culture, it happens in most cultures that have some, for, some form of evangelism that has taken place. What happens is that they, they see the value of God and Jesus, but their culture is so, in, they're so intertwined with their language and their culture and the things that they grew up with that what they do is they create a version of God that suits them and that feels right and convenient. And then they make it a part of their culture. And then they worship their culture. And when God showed me this, I was just, my mind was blown. And that's where, that's where I heard this term the first time. The crisis of cultural Christianity. And, and I, was, I was struggling with this thing. And I had so many conversations because... The one, there was this one group of people that would publicly swear, curse, and humiliate us as a family. We lost work. We were boycotted by all kinds of organizations. And there, there was this other group of people that sent us private messages because they didn't want to be taken out on social media. So we had thousands and thousands of private messages of people saying, we agree with what you said. Some, a lot of people said, I don't know why people are so upset. What you said is right. And God showed me that the ones who get it are the ones who are truly born again, truly saved. They, they look through the cultural eyes of heaven, not the cultural eyes of the earth, and they can see the difference. Whereas other people are stuck in a cultural way of worshiping. And this thing just broke open for me. And it was very tough and very hard. But we got two prophetic words and a conversation of a lady that phoned me a week after the whole thing that just showed us clearly that even though this was really hard and difficult, this was God's orchestration. And even now, some of you may be listening to what I'm saying and still go, you're talking nonsense, you don't know what you got yourself into, and I understand that. But I want you to not look at me right now. 
and a choice that I made, I want you to look to God, look to the Word of God, and let Holy Spirit really minister to you. Because I can't change you. Only the Holy Spirit can. But it takes a step of humble submission to the Word of God for us to change. It takes a real encounter with God and a choice to align with His purposes to get to the place where we can reign in life. And I know I am on very sensitive ground here because for some people, the, the cultural church they grew up in is actually more sacred than God Himself. The way of doing things, the man-made rules, way more than the Scriptures. So I know this is a sensitive subject, but I want you, and this is why we, we say that our church stands for this. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, and we choose to be obedient to it. We, we do not form doctrine from man-made ideas. We try to stay away from that as far as possible and just focus on what the Word of God says. So I hope that makes sense. The big thing that we need to realize, in the scripture we just read, it's very clear. It said that by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, the body of Christ. All right? So what does that mean? It means that no matter, and it says, no matter Jew or Greek, slave or free. In our application here in South Africa, whether Afrikaans, English, Tosa, Zulu, whether you're from another African state, whatever your language and culture might be, if you are a born-again Christian, you are part of the body of Christ. Now, I want to, to, to just imagine this picture. What did Jesus say to his disciples are the two most important um, commandments? It's to love God and love people, right? In that, he, he was referring, he said neighbor. He didn't say brother. So th- just there, a lot of us fall out of the boat because we don't love God completely the way that he wants us to love him because maybe we love money, maybe we love our culture more, and th- that's already a difficult thing. And now, if we also don't really love our neighbor, if it's uncomfortable or if they make us fearful, then we fall out of the boat on both of these. That is for, in general, how we love God and how we love people, all people. Because when they asked him, what does that mean? He told the story of the Good Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And in this scenario, Jesus showed them that a priest walked by the man who needed help, a Levite walked by, those people of the Jewish people. But the one who helped was the Samaritan, the people they hated. So what is he saying to you? Everyone is your neighbor, especially the ones from a different culture. But we don't want to read that. We don't want to see that in that story. We want the, the, the guy who was hurt and needs help to be of the same color of skin and same neighborhood and the same everything so that it's easy and convenient. But God says that if you are baptized into my family, then you're all part of the same body. So maybe you struggle to love those outside of the kingdom of God. But you're definitely called to love those inside the body of Christ. And let's be honest, some of us even struggle to love those in our immediate church who are of the same color and language and and everything else. And there's strife 
and there's issues. Now you want to you want to enter into a place where there's even cultural differences, language differences, and it, it gets messy. Do you know how many different Christian denominations are around the world? Over thirty thousand. <laughs> but we all love Jesus. Now, if all 30,000 love Jesus and love all the other 30,000 churches around them, that's fine. But are we there? I don't think we're there. What are the things that causes division? In general, hate. A lack of love is another way to say that. The other thing is fear. I fear what is different. I fear what I don't understand. That would be a race, a culture, a denomination, or a doctrine. It's weird. I don't want to go there. Nah. <laughs> I've heard some very sad stories about, even in our own nation, the way that Dutch Reformed people will treat AFM people. What is that about? If you love Jesus and you want to further the kingdom, why would you do that? But it happens, and it happens between other denominations as well. Another thing is a false sense of identity that excludes others, a form of superiority complex. Like my skin color and my culture is better than that one because I look at the outside. I have more, I'm doing better. And the flip side is true as well. That someone from a poorer culture can look at a richer culture and go, God doesn't love me. How can God love me? Because look at my life. And the one with the superior, superiority complex in, you know, makes that worse. And we have these dynamics happening in our nation. And then the one thing that I've mentioned already, we worship not God, but we worship our culture. This is a test. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone has used the Lord's name in vain? Someone who professes to be a Christian, if you would ask them, and no one blinks an eye. But if you dare to say something negative about their culture, they would clap you. Have you ever seen that? Then you know what they really worship. What are you standing up for? Are you standing up for, the, for God and His kingdom and the children of God? Or are you standing up for your culture? All of these things that I've mentioned have, in general, one root cause. And now I'm going to offend some of you, if I haven't already. One root cause, and that is, you may not be really saved. You may not be really born again. And in many traditional churches, I believe this is the case. We think that we are Christians because we grew up in a Christian home. We went to church, we read the Bible, we prayed, we sang some songs. And this was my story. Up until I was 16, I was convinced I'm a Christian. So much so that I was a youth leader in school, leading a cell group. So much so that I went into a leadership camp here in Kleinmont. And I was there on a Saturday night, worshiping God. Long story short, the guy leading the worship asked us to go into, into uh, to use our imagination that God has given us and to, to imagine that we're walking through this forest 
we get to a clearing and we see a wall and behind the wall is God. And then he said, ask God, what's the wall? And then he left us. And I saw that the, the wall that separated me from God was sin in my life. And I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. And in an instant, that wall crumbled to nothing. And I ran into the arms of the Father and I felt how the Father just held me and said, I love you, my son. And my life was changed forever. I could never be the same again. Up until that point, I knew facts about Jesus. But from that moment, I knew Jesus. And that is the difference. You can go to church on a Sunday, dress up, try to look nice for everybody. But if you don't have a relationship with the living God who breathed life into you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, you're just going through the motions of religion. And if you are in a religion with man-made rules and systems that are bound to a culture that you grew up in, then without even realizing it, you are worshiping this system. And if anyone comes against this system, you get upset. I know you're offended, but the fact that you're offended should be a red flag that maybe I should check this out. Some of you have already switched off this service, but some of you are curious as to what God is up to in this moment. And I want you to lean in. I want to invite you to be humble enough to be teachable by the Holy Spirit. Not by me, by the Holy Spirit. How do we fix this? How do we fix these problems? How do we fix this division? By the Spirit of God. By coming into alignment with His Spirit. It's by the Spirit that we all are baptized into one body, the church. Jesus is the head of the body. And the body has different parts. And all the parts are important. How many of you know that if I cut your big toe off, you will struggle to balance? But you can think, no, 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 the brain is more important and the heart is more important. But if you don't have a big toe, brother, you're going to fall over. You're going to hit that head. And the, the, the way that we treat each other in the church, the broader body of church, and even inside a local church, is, is actually kind of laughable. Because sometimes what you're actually saying is like, I'm a hand, and I, I think a hand is pretty amazing. And you look at a foot and you go, what are you doing? You should be a hand. And the foot's going, what are you talking about? This is what, the way God made me. This is my role. If you don't have me, you can't go anywhere, hand. But that's what we do, and we think it's okay. And God is calling us today to, to realize that the diversity that we have is the power that we have in our differences, but united in His Spirit. What's the measuring stick, the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit? As well as an open, loving heart towards those who are different and an ear that's ready to listen. How do we get a heart that's open to love? How do we get an ear that's ready to listen? We have to give our lives to Christ
and love the way he loves. It's the only way. If you read 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 that I just read to you and you go, how the heck do I do that? I don't know how to love that person. The good news is if you submit to God by giving your life to him, the power of his Holy Spirit inside you is what gives you the supernatural ability to love those who are different. Humility is the key. After this whole thing that happened with the Facebook video and the fallout, 2018 swung around and we were going to have a big prayer day in Mitchell's Plain, a follow-up of the big It's Time prayer day that took place in Bloemfontein. And I was very excited about this. And I, I even felt led that we should pray throughout the Western Cape and as, a, as leading up to that. And I, we had a whole prayer trail going on, which was really exciting. And just before we went on that trail, I, I felt God just download the song into my heart called It's Time. And the song is about unity. It's a call to the church to unite in one spirit. And God led me to team up with two of my friends in the music industry, Loiso Bala and Neville D., my black brother in Christ and my brown brother in Christ. And I, knew, I know these men. I know that they love God. I know that they love their wives and their children and that they stand up for the kingdom. And it was an amazing experience to team up with them in this song. And we recorded it and we made a video and, and the song started playing and getting out. And then one day, it was around March of 2018, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, okay, it's very nice that you are singing about unity, but are you living it? And I realized in that moment that I know some people from different cultures, but I have none of them are so close to me that they will come and bright my house and we will break bread together and be real friends. Be real covenant friends. And I said, Lord, you're right. I, I repent. I'm sorry. I haven't pursued this intentionally. And I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I sing this song, but I, but I don't really live it out. Because it's easy to sing about it, to talk about it. It's another thing to live it. And in that moment, I said, Lord, I pray that you will give me a black friend. And literally a week later, on a Wednesday, I was at my kid's swimming lesson, and I met the most amazing man of God, a Nigerian named Ade, or Mobagiwa. And we connected immediately, and we talked almost immediately about the importance of the unity of the body of Christ. And he, he told me that the name of his church is Trees of Life Multiracial Church. That's literally the name of his church. So he's got such a passion for that. And more than half of people in his church are white. And I invited him to bride my house that Saturday. And he said, yo, are you sure? You want to invite a Nigerian you don't know to your house? <laughs> I said to him, yes, because God spoke. And we had an amazing time of fellowship and getting to know him and his wife and his daughter. And I thank God for that man because through him and his ministry, 
Shortly after that, he started a Bible study group on Wednesday mornings. And that time in his presence with Ade's ability to teach the Word of God has made a huge impact on my life. And I believe in a big way it was part of my preparation for launching this church. So I thank God for that. But by spending time with someone from a completely different culture, but one who loves Jesus, I just saw what is possible. And I remember the day also when we shot the video for It's Time, Loiso and Neville and I sat around a table. A colored guy from Cape Town, a black guy from the Eastern Cape, we sat around a table and we could speak about the kingdom of God, about marriage God's way, about family God's way. We came from completely different worlds, but the Spirit of God united us to be able to speak in love to each other. And we could agree, disagree about some minor issues, but we agreed on the major issues. And we knew that we knew that we are brothers in Christ because we have all been baptized into the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. This is what God is calling us to. If you say that you are a Christian, but you don't love your black, brown, yellow, whatever, fellow Christian brothers and sisters, then you are not saved or you are deceived. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, but that is the truth. We need to get to the place where when I say I am a Christian, I am born again, that I am so in love with Jesus and with people, and I'm so aware of the fact that my culture is now first and foremost the culture of heaven, not the culture I was born into, this won't change. Now, am I saying that your culture is bad and wrong? No. God gave us this beautiful different cultures and diversity and languages to celebrate and to, to enjoy. Not to tolerate, to celebrate. But once again, as with money, we must make sure where is our love? Where is our first love? Is my first love God or is my first love my culture? And there are ways that you can easily spot that in your own life or in those around you. But I want to beseech you. I love that word. I want to beseech you to make sure that you are really saved and born again. And if you are and you're still struggling with loving someone from another culture, ask Holy Spirit to help you to change your heart. There may be very strongly, um, strongly laid cultural foundations and ways of thinking by your parents and your people around you that have convinced you from when you were young that those people are wrong and we are right. Or that is strange and different and we are right. And maybe you're sitting with those mindsets and it needs to be broken. It can be broken. It can come, let's not say broken, let's say it can come in line into line with God's will. It's been a process for me, and I'm still in that process. I ask myself, how do I look at this person that comes from a different background that has less than I do and that believes something else? How do I really look at them? And many times I fail. I have to be honest with myself and say, I, 
It's uncomfortable and inconvenient to step out and help, to step out and speak, to step out and build a relationship. It's inconvenient and it's uncomfortable. Why? Because my flesh is pushing against it and I am saved and I am born again. But I want to encourage you, if we lean into the will of God in this matter, if we allow His Spirit to lead us, it is possible because He gives us a supernatural ability to do this. I'm going to say this again. It starts with true salvation, being truly born again, a new creation in Jesus. The old man is dead. There's an old man that dies when we come to Christ. That old man was born into a culture with a certain language, with a certain set of mindsets. That old man dies. And then you get baptized in water, which is a symbolic gesture of what happened in the spirit when you got saved. And we need to be baptized after conversion. One of the biggest lies in traditional churches is that you get baptized as a baby. I'm going to say it out loud. It is one of the biggest strongholds and blindfolds that the devil has put on the church in general. And we cannot allow this to go on. You're dedicated or blessed or christened as a child. It's the parent saying, I will raise my child in the ways of the Lord. It's not a baptism. I'll read you the scripture in Ephesians 4 just now that says there's one baptism. It's the water baptism that follows conversion. It's very clear from scripture. There's no reference in scripture to a baby being baptized. Ever. It's not there. It's made up by men to make people feel better. And then it became a tradition. And then it became law. But it's not the word of God. You can be set free today. If you lean into the word of God and not the rules of men. I'm going to get so many emails after this. I know. But it's okay. We have to stand up for the truth of the word of God. That's what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not coming against a church. I'm not attacking a church. I'm just saying what the truth of the word of God is. And these things are holding us back from the fullness of God's mercy and grace and love in this world. Jesus, help me. When we are one with God, we can be one with our spouse or our future spouse if you're not married. If you're one with God, God will show you who your future spouse is. We teach in our marriage course how God's idea of marriage, uh, I've said this already, let me just move on. When we love our spouse this way, we create a safe environment in our home for our children. If you're one with God and one with your spouse, you have a home where your children feel safe and secure and well-loved. And if we are one in our home, in our family unit, then we can, we can love our community and our church well, our broader community and the church in general. Then we won't waste our time tearing down other Christians, denominations, races, cultures, etc., but rather busy ourselves with preaching the gospel and helping people to reign in life. And you may say now, yeah, but you just tore down the church. No, I didn't. I did not tear down the church. The church is God's bride. I will never do that. What I did attack is a tradition not based on the word of God that has permeated many different church cultures. And we cannot allow that to happen. 
I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 from verse 1 to 6. Listen to what Paul says emphatically and passionately to the church. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. With all, listen to this, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see how this is so important to God? The unity of the body of Christ, to understand this. But what does he say we need? We need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. What have we been called to do? To follow Jesus, to follow his example. And then he instructs further, in humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing in, with one another in love. Guys, we can camp on that line and just try to get to the point where we actually do that. See, we, we can listen to sermons every week. And now with online and all the churches worldwide that are so famous, you can listen to seven, eight messages on a Sunday. But is it changing you if you don't apply it? It, it means nothing if we just listen to it like a song and just go on with our lives. We actually need to listen to the Word of God and say, okay, how am I going to apply this? And if I struggle to apply it, check your salvation. Check whether you are letting Holy Spirit lead you. Check what baggage and issues you may have from your past. And ask for help. We are not supposed to be able to do this alone. God made it so that it happens out of relationship. How do we do this? How do we get to this place where we are not falling into this trap? We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And focus on our relationship with God. Spend time with Him. Worship Him. Choose intentionally to love our spouses well. To love our children well. And to create a home where the Spirit of the Lord dwells and feels loved and welcome. We need to love our local church people. We need to love the global church family of God. And we need to pray all the time and ask how we can help and where we can help. These are the things how we can get practical. I'm promising you, unity in the church starts at home. If my wife and I are not a united front, it affects everything. And you know what happens in a week where you prepare a message for unity? <laughs> we, had an, we had a bit of a fight. We had a disagreement about how to handle a certain situation. And I realized this is, this is a test in the week, I'm going to preach about unity. My wife and I are on a, on a certain thing, not in unity. And we had to lean in and we had to, had to, in humility, get through that thing and ask God for help. Because imagine we had a fight the whole week and I'm standing here saying, unity, unity, and I'm not living it in my own life. I don't want the enemy to get any foothold in my life. If you're still not sure that what I'm preaching here today is the truth of the Word of God, I want you to take heed of two scriptures. The one is where Jesus speaks to His disciples 
And the one is where Jesus prays to the Father. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus says to his disciples, which we are also, if we follow Jesus, a new commandment I give to you. He's very clear. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Can he repeat it more? It's the song that we sang earlier today. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. They will know us, know we are Christians by our love for one another. If the world, if the unbelievers look at the body of Christ right now in the world, if they look at maybe a local church and they don't see love, they won't believe that God exists and that Jesus is love. Jesus takes this on another level when he prays to the Father in John 17. He says, he says to the Father, I do not ask for these only. In other words, the 12 disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's Jesus praying for all of us that love him and walk with him. Jesus prayed for you, okay? That they will believe in me through their word, that they may love, that, that they may all be one. Jesus is praying that us as the believers of Jesus will be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So Jesus is so one, so intimate with the Father, and He wants that for His church. So that the world may know, so the world may believe that you have sent me. There's a so there. Father, make them one as you and I are one so that. Can you see there's a connection there? If this is in place, unity, then the world will believe that you sent me. And he repeats it. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. I've given them glory to be one. He's given us supernatural ability to be one. As we are one, I in them and you in me. Can you see this beautiful picture of how we're just so integrated? That they may become, listen to this, that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly one. That is Jesus' desire for the church. Can you hear his passionate plead to the Father? So that the world may know that you sent me. He repeats it. And love them even as you loved me. The call to unity is fundamentally important to the Father and to Jesus. Is it to us? Is it to us, really? Is this kind of unity, to be perfectly one in the family of God, is it really important to me? Do I live for this? Do I get it? Guys, from this scripture, can you see that one of our strongest evangelical tools, one of the strongest ways we can lead people to Christ is by being united? Let them be one as you and I are one so that the world may know that you sent me. Twice he says it. We are trying to reach people through all kinds of ways. 
There's even division about how we should do missions and evangelism. But the greatest way of evangelizing is to be united as a church. By one spirit, one body. If we were that, the world will not look the way it looks like right now. The world will look at the church and go, oh my word, look at how those people are one and love one another. I want to be part of that. Jesus must be real because that's supernatural. This is what the scripture is saying. Come on, church. We can do this. How? With God's supernatural strength and with each other's help. We need to be intentional. And I'm preaching to myself today. I'm not there. I want to be in the place where I really love all people and all believers with the love of Christ. And that it's evident in my life and in my choices. And I want the same for you. Because that'll change the world. Imagine having such unity and intimacy with God that you are changing into the person that God made you to be. That that unity with God starts overflowing into your marriage. And you guys are one and in such a way. And if you're not married, to start trusting God for that person. But you are staying in the secret place with Him, praying for your spouse. And that when you come together, you know that I'm whole in God, she's whole in God, and we become a new whole. And then when you love each other that way, you have unity in your home, and your children know God first, marriage second, children third, calling and work fourth. God's order is in place. And when there's unity in your home, that unity can spill out into your local church, your local community. And if you have that in place, it can spill out into the global church. And that is what God has called us to. This is very serious. This is very important. If you are still looking at me and you're seeing a, a guy who used to be a singer some day long ago, I want to ask you to please stop. Look at Jesus. Look at the Word of God. I wish I could take this and, and, and just print it into everyone's spirit. Because this will change our nation. This will change our nation if we do this. The question is, how much longer will we hold on to our pride? How much longer will we hold on to a culture that, that only serves to divide? That only serves our comfort and our conveniences? How much longer? Church of Christ, we have to get to the point where we are serious about salvation, serious about what baptism really is, serious about the power and the role of the Holy Spirit, and serious about loving people God's way. We have to get there. We have to get there. We can't play church anymore. This is serious. It is so close to the heart of Jesus so close to the heart of the Father. You can't tell me that you love Jesus and you don't even care that this is important because then you don't love Him. If you love God, you will care about what He cares about and He cares about unity in the body of Christ. That we will not tolerate one another, but that we will celebrate one another. That we will not just try to understand one another, but that we will really love, that we will really listen, that we will really find out where do you come from? What was your life like? 
Tell me your story so that I can understand it. Yes, God is love and He loves you. Yes, Jesus is love and He loves you. But He has given us commandments. And He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. John 14, 15. There's no way around this. You're either a Christian that does what God says, or you're not. We don't get big Christians and small Christians. You're either a Christian or you're not. This is very serious. I want you to reflect and respond to this today. I want to call upon the humility in you to bow before Jesus and to bow before His Word. If God shows you that you have ways of thinking, perspectives, cultural hang-ups, that you've been worshiping your culture more than Him, I want you to get to that place where you just fall on your knees and you repent of those things. And you ask God to come in, to shine His light into those areas and to bring breakthrough and to open up your eyes to what is the truth. That will change your relationship with God. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll change your local church and your community. And that's what God is calling us into today. We're going to end off with that song that I wrote, It's Time. And as we're singing this song, I want you to sing it along and, and shout it out and proclaim it, but also to, to do this exercise to reflect and to respond to what God is saying. Let's do that.
in South Africa, in the world. I thank you, Lord, that we will all be deeply convicted and become aware that your Spirit is what baptizes us into one body. That we will make sure that we are saved, born again, baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit, in line with your Word, loving you and loving people. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of unity will come upon the body of Christ. That we will all see the different gifts and the differences in what you've put in us, not as what divides us, but actually what makes us stronger. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I trust that God has spoken to you, ministered to your heart. And I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit will lead us all to greater, greater heights in Him and in our world. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way, and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you, and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.